Hey, it's Arrow, and this is PodFest, episode number 27. Three back-to-back conversations. Real people who happen to make it in the world of entertainment, politics, science, medical, or cooking in the kitchen. PodFest 27 features my conversation with three of the funniest comedians known for Kevin Hart's opening act, the Plastic Boys. Then we're going to jump into a chat with Wes Scrantlin from the group Puddle of Mud, and we'll wrap things up with crazy food conversation with a man that's best known for his financial wisdom, Mr. Ralph Nader. This is PodFest. We are unplugged and totally uncut with the Plastic Cup Boys. I didn't get into about 3.30. Then we had to be up by what, 7, 7.30? Those red eyes, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hennessy eyes. This Hennessy <laughs> eyes right here. <laughs> so then when you, when you got to go out and do all the junkets and stuff like that, is it still about making a connection with those radio listeners? Yes, definitely, definitely. Definitely us because we're just... How can I say it? We're like the sidekicks of the main attraction, so we're trying to make ourselves become the main attraction. Like, Kevin Hart is the main attraction that we roll with him. So when we're not with him, we trying to let the people remind them, hey, we the guys that open up for him. We're funny, too. So we definitely got to do the whole press junkie, everything. But you work with a master at marketing. Yes. And so that means that you guys are learning some stuff, too. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. All the time, all the time with him. See, I really don't think that you guys are sidekicks at all. Like, you guys have really created your own thing. We were talking about this earlier, and I just thought it was so funny how all of you guys gel so well with Kevin because y'all all just use real-life comedy. You know, it's stuff that we all do. It's stuff that we can all relate to. I was talking about the hoarders thing, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I get addicted to that show, too. Like, it's mm. hilarious, and I can't stop. Yeah, I mean, being a sidekick isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, we're associated with him, so... You know, we take the good with the bad. Um, you know, you got you got a uh, Batman and Robin, and you got Bo and Luke, and uh, <laughs> yeah, those are those are bad. <laughs> well, I go Scotty Pippen. You got to at least say Scotty Pippen. You can't go Bill Cartwright. Nah, but um, yeah, one thing about uh, he's a, a master at marketing because he has he has the physical energy. And and doing things like this, it makes it, le- it like it lets us know how hard it is. You know, the the easy part is getting on stage, getting people in the room is the hard part. So not only are we trying to connect with uh, the people that are uh, somewhat familiar with us, but we also want to make an impression on people that have never heard of us. So that's why it's important for us to be do well on TV and radio. You guys are socially networked everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you 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 Google your name. I mean, it's it, videos where you've been, how you do it, everything. I mean, that's got to be a cool thing for the new millennials. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's a little saturated, oversaturated now, but uh, it's how people make a living now. What? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that. No, it's not. I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm not We're gonna start it, this morning off with some five dollar words. Yeah. <laughs> Saturated. I'm, I'm not saying. No, he's 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 he knows that I, um, I don't really care for internet sensations like that. That's what that's what this is about. Not about the word that I just used. But so. Um, but uh, yeah, it's people are making a living off of uh, social networking right now, so it's a good thing. Um, but like. You know, more more people are getting the opportunity to work because of it. Right, so. and it's kind of the game that you have to play. Like, yeah. you know, it might not be the game you want to play, but you got to play to be valid and relevant. Yeah, yeah. definitely do. Mm-hmm. So for, for you guys, is it is it like a morning radio show where, I mean, we all know our parts and roles and stuff like that, but you, you in radio we say you have to have three things, a dick, a dork, and a deer. Do you guys have to play the same role? 
Well, I don't know about a deer, but uh, dick in the dark, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, we play our roles. We definitely play our roles. I know I do, because I look at it as comedy is... Can I explain it? Like comedy is just—it's my—it's your life. It's your life, and you just gotta break it down to where everybody can understand your life. And that's—that's that's what my role is. I want to break it down so when I get on stage, I can somebody can say, "He reminds me of my cousin. He reminds me of my uncle." Just something. That's what—that's what I try to do. That's like my role. I don't know about Naeem. Naeem wants to. Uh, some people off at times. <laughs> Naeem, were you the one that fell off the raft? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you were I'm way meeting. back. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Sorry, I've been a fan for a while, but uh-huh. I was just like, oh, is this the Naeem? Yeah. Yeah, that, that story was exaggerated, but uh, no, nah, I definitely Imagine did fall Imagine that, Kevin Hart exaggerating? I, right. I, I thought he told nothing but the truth, all but the truth, so, so help him. Yeah, no, that was, a, uh, that was a great day. That was fun. We all fell in, yeah. Uh, see, I listened to that story and I was like, there's a reason I don't do outdoor adventures. Like, no, man, you know spent so much time perfecting the indoors. You, it's, <laughs> it's worth it, though. That We fell in. First of all, our instructor had a cast on and he was already messed That's up. That's right. Y'all and get the, in the boat with me. Mm, right. No, no. And hold then, on. <laughs> then he purposely, he purposely flipped us over. Yeah. yeah nah. <laughs> Yeah, he was sent. There was a, a part on the um, on the trail where you know you dip, and then the so water got into the into the raft, and then he kept trying rocking it, trying to get the water out, and then he just decided like, I can curse, right? Yeah. He just decided like, fuck it, I'm just going, I'm just going to flip them over, and we all went in. So he was he was, I think he was trying to enhance the experience, but uh, it was kind of scary for us. He was a dickhead. <laughs> so now, how do, how do you guys work on the balance of the entire show? Because Steve Harvey in his last book talked about Charlotte is the worst place he's ever played because the people before him pooped out the crowd. And so by the time he got on, and so he, he to this day, he learned from that moment because his next night, which was somewhere in middle America, was his best night ever. So how do you guys deal with, with the balance of what both of you and then Kevin Hart brings into the picture so that you don't poop out the, the audience? Uh, well, we just only get a certain amount of time. You know, first, first of all, people, you, you mean when we're doing shows together or when we do shows with Kevin? When we do shows with Kevin, I mean, the, the crowd's coming in late. You know, a lot of people don't care about openers, so they're not, they're not going to get pooped out. And the show is only going to be a, about two hours. So he does about an hour and ten, and then the, the other 50 minutes go to us. So it's never like that. When we perform together, you know, we do a 90-minute show, and we alternate headlining. So never worry about pooping the audience out. We, we, we kind of funny, so we won't, we won't think about it. We kind of funny, so we won't think about pooping orders. Y'all, y'all are definitely kind of kind of funny. I no, mean, you, you seem to be doing all right. Right, thank you. You thank can hang you. with Kevin. <laughs> but do you ever get tired of radio people coming in and talking about Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart, when when it's you that we want to get to know? I don't. I think it's a good thing. Now, if he was somebody else, you know, who? Uh, why you keep naming him? I'm bigger than him. <laughs> that was kind of a weird statement that you just made. You said, do people do you get tired of people asking about Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart, when it's us that they want to get to know? But, but then, so why are you asking us about Kevin Hart? <laughs> <laughs> nice. It, he is trouble, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it doesn't bother us, man. We're, we're humble like that, so it's all good. So now you guys are traveling around the country and everything like that. Are you, are you seeing a different America taking shape? I mean, are the, are the jokes having to change a little bit? Are things opening up? What, what are you seeing? 
was a lot of questions, wasn't it? It's the same for me. I don't, Donald Trump being in office opens up some stuff. I think now we don't have to be so PC, I'm thinking. We're going to see soon because he's not PC at all. So, therefore, we might can really get loose this time. What you think? Let me get loose now. I said something last night. Oh, you did? I said, uh, I made a joke and it offended some people, and I said, you know, you can say whatever the fuck you want to say now. Donald Trump is in office. Deal deal with it, bitch. (laughs) So I said to her, I I called her a bitch. I said, deal with it, bitch. I'm sure, I'm sure that went over really well. So you guys are constantly on the road. Um, do you guys just ever get tired of people like maybe seeing you on the road and they're just like, be funny, like dance, dance, like, you know, just make me laugh. Like, oh my gosh, I know you guys say something funny. Like, I feel like that would be really annoying to me if I got to the airport at 7 a.m. and someone was like, oh my gosh, I love you. Tell me a joke. No, nah, that doesn't really happen to me. I'm so unapproachable. People don't talk to me. They they recognize Spank all the time, but they they they, they don't they don't it's ask. A, it's us a tall people thing. We we can't hide, and we can't get in trouble either. We get caught. Yeah, yeah, it's not fair. They don't ask us to dance jig and nothing like that. Uh, <laughs> they just usually want to take pictures and stuff, and that's okay with us. Because y'all are just always looking good, so you're like, oh, that's fine. Let me wake up real quick. Yeah, I just hate the whole the extra conversation. I like to, hey, you're very funny. I'm like, oh, thank you, man. And then keep it moving. Keep Don't. Moving. Yeah. So where you going? I'm about to go over. Okay. How long are you gonna be over there? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we're in a conversation. I'm not for that. I just want to take a picture for you and then keep it moving. That's it. That's you just say I'm going to your mama's house and just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because how do you break out of that conversation? Because if, even in radio, people, you know, you, I meet listeners all the time. And one of the reasons why I left television is I got tired of meeting people that I didn't know, but they knew me and they knew what stories that I did. But it was like, you kind of lean into the conversation. I got to go. I got to go. So how do you got to do it? Got to. As a comedian, it's a little easier. We could be a little, we could be ignorant. Because that thing is funny. So that's a good thing about being a comedian. All right, I got to go. I got to catch the bus. We on the plane. Same difference. Whatever. Same difference. Whatever. So I think it's good. Being as a comedian, I think it's good. Now, th- this is Jill. Jill, she's been in the broadcasting class for seven weeks. And okay. has, has have you even asked one question yet? I've asked one question. So make her ask the question. Wait, I want, I want to know what the first question is you asked and who was it for? Um, it was for the CEO of Toys R Us, the interview that you didn't even record. Uh, calling you out. Calling you out. Well, you're in class. I know, but, but there's like no record. I know. There's like did, no record of it. Like what did what? you ask him? What did you ask him? Um, I think I, I asked her. There is a record. I took a picture. There's a Okay, close enough. <laughs> but um, I think I asked him about like the gender of like different toys and like how. I don't even remember what the hell I said. See, she knows. You're asking me questions. Uh-huh. She knows more than I do. Right, well. Another seven weeks of class. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. So. Another seven. We're getting So, okay. So, what's your question today? I just walked in here. I don't even know what's already been asked. Uh, just go for it. We just started. I can't do that. You, go for it. You got. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. Come on. Come oh, on. God. Oh God. Oh, shit. Stop. Because, I mean, you, you guys have got to ask questions about from city to city to city, because don't you localize your shows to where instantly we tune in? Uh, I pretty much don't. I used to have a joke um, that I did a couple tours ago where um, 
I would find out whatever was like the worst neighborhood in in the city, and I would say, you know, my nephews are mad at me because for Christmas they asked me to get them Angry Birds, and I got them, you know, three bitches from Delaware, and I didn't, <laughs> so I didn't know what they were talking about, you know. <laughs> so you know, I would find out whatever the worst city is, and, and the crowd would love that because it's you know a local. Yeah, the, uh, what's that road? Oh, area. What's it called? I don't know. Betty's Ford. Betty's Ford. Yeah. Okay. Still nothing. You had time. Still no question. No, nothing. Sorry. <laughs> All right. God, <laughs> God damn it. It's my on the Plastic Cowboy special. Yeah. Uh, when Joey, the shit with Joey came, showed up with the white girls. Right. Don't twerk, no. Now, do you guys find yourself moving toward movies and different specials and stuff like that? I mean, since the digital platform is like wide open right now. Oh uh, yes, I'm uh, actually shooting my special on Sunday uh, for Comedy Central. Uh, now he's about to shoot an hour special. Uh, I moved to LA so I can start getting into movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to do a showcase where I got casting directors and management agents coming out to check me out to see if I got it or not. You know, hopefully they say I got it. Because the, the two of you together, what a team! I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, couldn't you see the two of you starring in movies and? Yeah, but I think somebody want to go solo over there. I'm not sure. I mean, I think I think us together is saturated. So I think no, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, comedy is like a, how can I say it? Like, it's not, like, men as though every time we show up somewhere, they always say, do y'all perform together on stage at the same time? No, not the same time. Like, because it's me, and then it's him, or it's him, then it's me. So, and the history of comedy has always been the one guy. So, I think with this game, you know, everybody, you want to push your name. You want to push your name. But I feel like we have something that has never been done before. So, I feel like this will make us rise even more. Then we can break off. But, you know, he wants to break off now. He wants, he wants to break <laughs> off. No. I'm lying? Oh, I'm sorry. I, it felt good, though. It felt good as I was <laughs> This just turned into, like, Dr. Phil. It's like, all right, now tell us how you really feel. Well, I have separation anxiety and... <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm all about the team. Actually, I mean, it's better when we tour together because we sell more tickets. You know, um, you know, we get a better crowd. So sometimes, sometimes I like to do uh, solo weekends, and he does too because we get a chance to like really work on our material and stretch out a little bit more. But as a team, it's always, um, you know, it's, it's more lucrative. How do you decide who goes first? Rock, paper, scissors? We just alternate. <laughs> we, just take, we just take turns. Yeah. Last night I went last, so then this first show night you'll go last. Yeah. God, you're not like brothers then. I mean, because brothers would fight it out, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I got more Instagram followers today. I'm going first. Right. I mean, sometimes we'll, if we, like, if he had a bunch of guests coming to, like, the first show and he'd be like, yo, let me close this one out, then you just do the next two in a row. Like, then it's like, whatever. It's never, that's never an issue. Yeah, we never care. Matter of fact, we, we both of us, we like doing less time. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like, no, no, you got it. You got this one. So it's, it's no big deal. You got something? No. <laughs> still, still ain't got nothing. Let's ask you some goddamn questions. Oh. Right? Where you from? I'm from here. I'm from Charlotte. Okay, what do you do? Uh, 
I'm a student and I work retail. Okay, where? New York and Company, Concord Mills Mall. Uh, I can't get no discount there. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Jesus. All, right. <laughs> All right, we got nothing. You're so, a female entrepreneur you need to like buy a gift for? Not from New York and Company. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, what is the best way for, for listeners to follow you guys, to find out more about you, check out the videos and things like that? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Naeem Lynn, N-A-I-M-L-Y-N-N, and that'll pretty much just lead you to everything else. <laughs> and you can follow me at Comedian Spank. That's on everything. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, guys. No problem. No Thank problem. You. Thanks Thank for having you, us, Thank man. You. Appreciate it. Hello and good afternoon. Yeah, I'm right here, dude. I'm in the... Uh... I'm on I'm top of a mountain right now. <laughs> what what mountain ridge are, are you on? Uh, Big Bear. Are you kidding me, dude? That is yeah. like that's quite the place. That's that's a great escape. Yeah, this uh, little road right here though is like windy as a mother flipple. <laughs> <laughs> now, do do you go to Big Bear to to find the inspiration? Because the, the last time I was there, I, I all I wanted to do was sit down and write. That's all I do. And, and and you you are quite the writer in the way that first first of all I, I read a quote one time about how you like to write in windows and 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 that's all I, I I always tell people I live a life of windows and when I read that quote from you I'm going oh my god he totally gets it yeah I'm um, you know fortunate enough to have a little bit of a gift for writing so you know I pursue it and uh, you know thank the Almighty Father above for uh, giving me that. You know, give me that uh, gift. So, I mean, you know, utilize it, you know. So now when you write a song like Just Tell Me, I mean, this is a song, what what I get out of it is that I, I feel a love song, but I also feel the changes and the challenges that, that that's going on inside the song. And at the same time, it strengthens the soul. If you really go back and you listen to the song over and over again, you, you definitely get the story of the song. Yeah, I mean, I just like, a, you know, I don't know, it's almost like trying to help somebody out through like, you know, Maybe they have some kind of psychological defects, and uh, you're just really trying to be there for them, uh, but they just kind of like, you know, never really get it, you know? <laughs> uh, I just wanted to ask, since uh, you've been doing, uh, you've been going with Puddle Mud for a good 30 years now, I wanted to ask, has there been a lot of change or adaptation uh, from writing songs all the way back uh, in the 90s to all the way now that you have several albums like how is it adapted and changed <clears throat> I mean really it's like stick to your guns if it ain't broke don't fix it um, you know and uh, you know I love you know you know I don't know man the creativity wheels are spinning constantly it's hard to actually stop them but you know it's i don't know i'm i'm blessed man well, I, I got to ask you a question because uh, you know when, when creativity. I, I've, I've got a show on iHeartRadio that's called "Creativity Is the Addiction," and I, I flat out call it the addiction. Do, do you believe in the same theory? I totally believe, dude. I am totally addicted to writing and being creative and just coming up with different. You know, I mean, they're all they're all ideas. You know, so for anybody out there that's you know being a creative person, I mean. Some may rise the cream of the crop, 
but you know sometimes you just don't like you don't get totally there so but they're just ideas you know so don't like beat yourself up about it and just keep going and you know try to you know just i don't know just keep writing and stuff you know creating so yeah Right. So, Wes, I got to know, um, how does it feel to be the only original and consistent member of the band? And does it put a lot of stress on you personally? Um, you know what? I mean, the thing about being in a band is like, you're, you're, you know, like it's almost like you're like, you know, you're like married to these people. But um, people have lives. Um, a lot of people seriously just kind of cave in and they just walk away, you know, and um, I mean, they they got their own personal issues and stuff like that. Um, I miss a lot of I miss a lot of people that that have uh, come and gone, and um, you know I'll probably look like the jerkwad for the whole you know for the rest of my life. But I didn't like you know I didn't you know I didn't tell people to like walk away. I didn't really actually like get rid of anybody. It's like um, you know people miss their families and stuff and. They, their, they miss their loved ones and their, you know, their partner or whatever. And, you know, that that comes into play, man. And, um, you know, when my mom walked downstairs in the basement in, uh, in uh, Lake Wacomas where I grew up at, you know, she was like, Wes, you can't, like, you, you know, you, you suck at doing it. You can't, you're not going to be able to play like Eddie Van Halen. He's like a freaking insane, uh, miraculous person, God rest his soul. So she said, here, write your own songs, you know, yep. write your own songs. A lot of it comes down to like, it comes down to like money and stuff like that. And, you know, and it's really struggling to be on the road, man. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's a double edged sword, man. I don't know. I'll just keep writing. Well, you, know? you, you talk about your mother saying you're not going to be Eddie Van Halen, but yet uh, Hit Parader magazine labels you one of the top 30 vocalists of all time, that, that you are one of the... <laughs> It, it, that, that people recognize your voice from anywhere. Well, that's cool. Thank you for that news. Shoot, you just brightened my whole day up, dude. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I like Lane Staley's gone. God rest his soul. And, um, you know, Kurt's gone. God rest his soul. And Chris uh, Cornell and Chester. And, uh, you know, I feel like they're like angels and they're just like giving me power and, um, um, you know, giving me creativity and stuff like that. So, I just channel that, and uh, I love those guys, and, you know, they, they're they like little angels, like, hovering around, like, here, we got your back, you know? So that's pretty cool. You, you're back out on the road again. What What is that feeling like to be in front of those crowds? Have, have we changed as fans? And if we have, how can we get back to the way that, you know, we had that connection with the band? Well, I mean, you know, it's been a weird, I mean, it's been a very, very awkward, uh, you know, it's been a very awkward time in life. Um, I was just trying to pay attention to the guidelines and trying to like, you know, I, 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 all I did was isolate and, you know, and um, just write songs, man, every day. I mean, shoot, I, I, I hate to say it, but it, it was almost like a blessing that, um, you know, it was like, take a break and write some tunes, you know, and be artistic. So, I don't know. It might sound weird, but sorry about it. Whatever. I wanted to know... How do you get yourself in that mindset where you're just freely able to put pen to the pad, put words to, and just really get the songs written in a way that you know, okay, this is definitely something that I like. I wrote this. This is really good. Well, like you said, um, you know, pen, like pencil to the paper, you know, pen to the paper. I mean, you just got to get down to the nitty gritty and do it. 
um, I always notice that when I'm writing songs, um, like a little bit of sleep deprivation um, always somehow magically helps. Um, like when you're really, really tired and, you know, frustrated, like, I don't know, it's just like really cool stuff comes to you when you, um, you know, I do writing sessions and like, you know, <laughs> three or four days straight in a row, man. And it seems like at the tail end of it, um, you, you start getting really, really, really creative, you know, and inspired. I don't know. It's crazy to be a songwriter, dude. Yeah. And speaking of those writing sessions, like what mostly inspires the lyrics? Um, you know, just, you know, emotions, life, you know, just, you know, I miss, you know what I'm saying? It's like, um, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just about a lot of emotions. You're trying to, like, um, basically help people, you know, and reach people in a positive way. And, um, you know, I, that's, I strive for that. I try to get under people's skin and, you know, give them, give them some hope and love, you know. Yeah. Now, now in, in your writing of music and everything like that, a creative mind, no matter where the cre- the writing is, well, I mean, it goes to it. I, I keep a defrag journal where, where every afternoon I go in there and I defrag the day. Do you do anything like that or do you journal every day? Oh, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have enough time to do that because I'm constantly writing. And anything like, you know, that like kind of comes in between me and writing um, and being artistic and creative, um, I, I don't have any time for that kind of stuff, you know? Um, but, you know, I say my blessings and my Our Fathers and, you know, keep God first place. And, and uh, you know, if you do that, then, you know, he'll he'll give you some, some blessings and stuff and uh, he'll help you out. And, um, you know, it's a cool, man. He, he'll, you know, give you some power and some, uh, some uh, inspiration and stuff, you know? You know, it's really interesting to hear your uh, your process, and it seems like you are, you know, kind of solo in your process. Are there any people around you that you, you know, kind of trust to tell you, yeah, this is great, or maybe you know something that you might need, or something that it might be missing? Are there are there people around you that you have like that, and how do you go about curating that circle for yourself? You know, what I do is I I love to. Um you know, bounce ideas. I like to write in front of like someone or something that's like there and, you know, kind of get like, you know, their angle. And it's, you know, cause everybody is really actually creative. So, um, I'll bounce stuff off. Like, you know, just different people, you know, get their vibe. And what is it? What, you know, what do you think about that? And, you know, they'll be like, eh, I don't know if that was cool, but the, the other thing, these other things were really cool that you did it, you know, a couple seconds ago. And it's it's good to actually uh, you know collaborate with um, you know different people I and mean, even women. I, I love to actually bounce stuff off. Of, like if I'm writing a song and creating a song, it's, I love to have a woman just sitting right in front of my face, and you know, and you know it's either you know it's either that's awesome or you know that fucking excuse me. <laughs> That totally sucked, but yeah, man, you know, um, yeah, I like to bounce stuff off girls, man, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm not trying to be like perverted in any way. Well, uh, even though, even though, uh, you know, the hammer's going to drop after I'm done and, and you know, well, you, you being up there, big sir, I mean, are you, are you, are you uh, writing anything with, with the animals? Cause I, 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 I study native American spirituality. I, I totally get into animal speak. Uh, do, when, 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 when a bird flies by, do you feel like, well, crap, I'm writing about that. 
Well, I mean, you know, there's like a magical fairy bird, and um, yeah, it, you know, you have to just keep going and keep going, and then all of a sudden, this like little bird, like the songbird, as I call it, and uh, it, it lands on your little shoulder, and it just gives you some awesomeness, man. So utilize that if you're a writer i mean you know if the little songbird lands on your freaking shoulder uh yeah you need to get busy you know and and uh be creative and you know it's, it's pretty cool uh, it doesn't happen all the time but when it does it's really special i wanted to ask um <clears throat> i know it's in several songs but uh one of the things I I hear in the song Uh Oh is uh I I I feel there's a lot of um a lot of sensitivity in some of the lyrics here and I wanted to I wanted to know if there was maybe uh, a story behind that where you got some of the the heart and emotion behind it. Yeah, I met Christian Stone. He uh he was playing guitar in the band for for a while and um yeah, I mean, he, um, you know, he's he's clean and sober for like, I think, like 15 some odd years. Um, he was in a bad spot, uh, you know, back in the day, and he just totally cleaned up. But he actually, like, <clears throat> that that song was written about a lot of his life. I mean, the dude was like in like, you know, San Francisco, shooting up coke, heroin, meth and shit. And um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he actually kind of basically... You know, we, I guess we both kind of wrote a wrote you know the song, but a lot of it's actually about Christian Stone's um, actual uh, experiences in life and stuff, you know. And uh, the guy's a wonderful man. I love him, and um, you know, we have the same exact tattoo on our uh, palm of our hands. It's like a high five. And um, yeah, that yeah, he's a wonderful songwriter. I hope he doesn't stop writing songs. Well, speaking of songs and stuff like that, you know, the song "Just Tell Me" is—I mean, it's—it's it's brand new to a lot of listeners now. And but but you you talk about you were writing music during COVID. That's still fresh. Are, are we going to see a fresh album very soon? Like maybe after this small tour you're on? Hell yeah, dude! Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm actually on the way back to um to uh to Los Angeles from Big Bear, and uh, I'm I'm. Basically, after I get off the phone with you, I'm going to call the uh, the label and we'll get the ball rolling. Uh, I, the COVID thing's kind of a little bit crazy. Everybody, like a lot of artists are uh, canceling and I'm, you know, I'm on the fence right now about maybe like pulling this show on Friday because the uh, Saturday show got pulled. So uh, it's just a weird, awkward situation because I, I just, I love to play music and do live shows man crap it, 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 inside your creative mind is are you saying ah oh, crap here we go again i mean if it, it just feels like it's march 2020 all over again well i mean yeah it feels weird man i mean you know um i i, I don't want like i just did sturgis you know and awesome 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 show but it's all it's kind of like a big petri dish i don't know if it's spiked there or not i you know i i'm i get a little worried about the fans that come to the shows, you know, and they're like packed in there like sardines and you know, um, it's, it's just really awkward, man. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to come back to this show when you finish that next project. And, and, and you know, we talk about that as well. Cause you, you have got more stories and, and I just, I love sharing your journey with listeners. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of insanity. Um, <laughs> believe me, man. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I'm trying to get uh, I'm trying to get this thing together where we're gonna do like this. I'm trying to get Fred to be the director of this movie and stuff, and it could be like you know, corn, limp biscuit, puddle of mud, stained, and it could just be like the magical moments and you know, trials and tribulations and extra funky, weird, freaking situations that you know we all deal with on tour and stuff. And yeah, well, and, so. it, and it has to be played in a Dolby theater too, because I mean, Dolby would give me the best quality sound plus the 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 seats vibrate, man. I mean, because we would have to hear that thunder as it moves through. Yeah, man. Like, you know, shoot. Turn up the bass, man. <laughs> I don't know. Dolby, yeah, Dolby. Hey, man. Yeah. I love Dolby. They're, yeah, they're, they're monstrous. I do have to ask, though, uh, speaking of tours, you guys got to come to Charlotte sometime. Are you guys you guys have any plans I swear, for, for I the tours? Just, I was just there. Oh, we missed you? No, that's Savannah. Hold on, that was Savannah. <laughs> I mean, shoot, there's so many shows, man. Um, I love Charlotte. I meant seriously, man. At uh, there's like a strip club over there, man. That's like super, super dope. Uh, Uptown Cabaret. Go. Uptown Cabaret. Bingo. And I, don't know, <laughs> I never, ever, ever go to strip clubs, but that was a good one, dude. We, I, the only reason why I know that place is because they would advertise they have real mashed potatoes. You had to come in there for lunch for the real mashed potatoes. No doubt. <laughs> I love, but where's the fake one? Is there fake mashed potatoes? Right. <laughs> maybe that's like I, that's something that flew by my head. I don't, I don't, maybe it's all right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> all right. So, what's the website where listeners can go to give you guys lots of love? Because I know you guys have merchandise and stuff like that that we need to get off the shelf. Yeah, puddleofmudtv.com. And uh, yeah, man, I got my family running the whole show now. So. Um, yeah, it's great, man. I get to, you know, I get to talk to my mom and, you know, my family every day. And uh, it's pretty cool, man, actually. Well, come back to the show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Okay, Wes? I love you, man. Thank you. You be brilliant today. Right on. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Ralph Nader. Good morning, Al. How are you doing today, Ralph? Well, like everybody else, you know. <laughs> yeah, but look at what you've delivered to everybody else. The Ralph Nader and Family Cookbook, which is so perfect because instead of eating the same old food like we have been for the past 15 weeks, you're giving us some new ideas. Yeah, well put. Uh, more people staying at home, obviously, under the COVID-19, and they're spending more time in their kitchen. And they're discovering, you know, that they can make all kinds of recipes. And this book is tailor-made because the Mediterranean diet... Or this is Arabic cuisine, but also for Armenians and Greeks. And the, the Mediterranean diet has been rated about the best diet in the world. It has relatively low in sugar, fat, uh, salt, and also extremely diverse with vegetables and fruits, all kinds of soups, uh, condiments, and plenty of time for desserts as well. So <laughs> it comes at a propitious but unfortunate time. Well, you know, you talk about things that take time and stuff like that. I'm a fanatic when it comes to soups. The, the soups that you that you have inside this book are just, it really does require that moment of, okay, we're going to let this soak for a while. We're going to create a soup and not just open a can of soup. Yeah, that's right. Lentil soybean soup, uh, cannellini bean soup with Swiss charge. And the one that really raises eyebrows was uh, developed by uh, George Newjame, who has a restaurant in Connecticut. It's the best-rated Mediterranean restaurant, actually. 
uh, New James Bistro, and it's garlic soup. And I must say, you know, when I first heard that, I said, garlic soup? <laughs> and, and you cannot believe how delicious it is, especially on a cold winter day. One of the things that you put a lot of focus on that, that people don't really do, the appetizers. I am a fan of hummus. Oh, my God. I like making my own hummus, and you give us an idea on what we can do with the stuff that we're creating. Oh, yeah. I mean, appetizers are so good in this kind of cuisine that you tend to overload on them and, and uh, not, you don't have enough space left for the, for the main dishes if you're not careful. Is there a plant that, you know, kind of shocks you that we're all starting to love now? Stuffed eggplant, which is one of the main dishes in the book. And then there's, of course, yogurt. Uh, and then there's yogurt with cucumbers. Yes. So these, you can see... There is no distinction between delicious and nutritious in this kind of cuisine. The book we're talking about is the Ralph Nader and Family Cookbook. Don't you think, though, we make a big mistake when it comes to salads in making it the main dish and not necessarily part of the course? Yeah, you're exactly right. When we grew up, salads were part of the main dish. Uh, I could never get used to having the salad at the beginning or at the end. It's part of the main dish. And... uh, and uh, that's one reason why the main dishes are so diverse and nutritious. Olive oil. You love that stuff, don't you? Because I was checking out the veggies here, my man. You, that's a good choice to use that olive oil. Oh, yeah. I mean, what gives the flavor to a lot of these recipes is uh, olive oil, garlic, onions, and mint. The salad has mint. Mint is another underutilized uh, uh, vegetable. That's so funny you bring that up because we we have a mint garden here and I have started using a lot of mint during this whole entire COVID because I'm trying to discover all these different flavors. Well, you you point out to something that's expanding now. More people are starting gardens in their backyard or expanding gardens and mint is a real hardy uh, plant. I mean, once you get it in the ground, uh, it takes care of itself every spring. So when it comes to the main dish, don't you love the way that families are meeting in the kitchens nowadays and we're all working together to provide this? And it's, and it's almost like a, a responsibility for everybody in the household, but yet the, the payoff is, is, a, is a gorgeous dinner. You're right. It's, it's a return from virtual reality, looking at screens hours in a day, into reality. I mean, that, life is made up of reality. Virtual reality is supposed to be a means to an end. You know, you get information and you connect with people. But now I think more people are re-indu- reintroducing themselves within their own families. And they're looking at each other in the eye and they're conversing and I hope that uh, this sets a trend because more and more people, especially young people, are spending seven, eight, nine, ten hours a day looking at screens of one form or another. When it comes to this book, this is this is the thing that's going to happen. It's going to be passed on to the next generation because the quality of the book, with the, with the cover and everything like that, you put a lot of thought into this thing, knowing that it, it needed to reach beyond where we are. Yeah, it's more than a cookbook. I have a long introduction that shows the essential role of food in a family context, in education, in conversation around the dinner table, uh, so that we have our small talk, obviously, but why not some big talk about important things in life? And food is what attracts the children and and gives the parents their undivided attention. I mean, good heavens, uh, it, it's very hard for parents today just to say at the dinner table to the kids, shut off your cell phone. <laughs> 
One of the things that I've noticed about, about dinner and stuff like that, and your book provides us an opportunity, is that let's just don't do dinner tonight. Let's, let's think of two or three nights with one, with one of these meals. Let's, let's think long term here. I mean, it gives a new name to leftovers, I'll tell you. I mean, there's no... <laughs> leftovers actually taste better. A lot of the uh, uh, recipes here, they're actually better the second and third days. Well, congratulations on this book. I hope that you, you grow this beyond beyond just the book, that you turn it into some show that's on television or you make it a podcast because you have so much passion for food, sir. That's a good idea, Arrow. Uh, I, I have a radio program, Ralph Nader Radio Hour, and uh, it's good to fit that in because uh, people are always interested in good food, affordable food, food they can put into delicious recipes themselves. Absolutely. Well, you be brilliant today, okay, sir? Thank you very much.